Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey there, you've wandered onto the VUC, a weekly conference produced by IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank Simwood.com. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from Onsip.com. You can get a URL that people can click to call you at Onsip.com slash GetOnSip. Speaking of SIP, we use the best PSTN and SIP conference bridge in the world, ZipDX.com. Our website at VUC.me is on Bluehost.com. And thanks to Voxbone for our world local rate dial-ins. And guess what? I'm not going to tell you about Kamehameha World because it's next week. So see you there. Michael is going to introduce the session. You have Echo, Randy. I'm not uh, surprised. Okay. So people are looking at something completely strange right now because they're seeing the uh, the Spark session. So today we have... Vlad, who is with Cisco, lead software engineer, and he is going to tell us all about Spark. And we have been playing with it for the last couple of hours, um, but that doesn't leave us well positioned to really get started. So Vlad, thank you for taking the time. Everybody's seeing the, um, the Spark session, and this is how we're going to keep it, uh, at least for the time. So um, welcome. And first of all, we always ask everybody this question. It's a really good question, especially in your case, I believe. Um, so before we get into Spark, how did you get started in technology? What has been your path to this point? Uh, I started uh, more than 30 years ago. And the uh, initial part with the technology was uh, uh, Texas Instrument uh, uh, Programmable Calculator. And uh, I exhausted uh, its uh, functions within about like several months uh, with uh, some of the programs uh, which allow me to land uh, uh, moon lander uh, on the moon and uh, fly around the moon and uh, orbiting and uh, switch pretty much to the programming side on the uh, mainframes. Uh, back then uh, in Soviet Union, it was very difficult to access uh, personal computers and uh, uh, approximately one year later, I was able to uh, get one uh, for obscene amount of money. Uh, uh, and uh, here we are. I mean, basically, uh, 30 years later, I'm talking to you. Uh, um, telecommunication has been my passion for past, I would say, uh, more than 20 years now. Uh, and I work for multiple different companies. Uh, built one of the biggest AVR company in the world uh, when I was part of the American line and uh, did uh, uh, call centers and uh, many different things and uh, uh, work for R&D, uh, part of the Cisco, and right now I'm part of the operations uh, for Cisco, telephony. So uh, everything about telephony, it's my passion, my life uh, and uh, hobby. This is why I know you guys and uh, I'm happy to be panelist as well as uh, a presenter. I'm for... going to be obtuse for a moment. I'm going to say that you live in a world without jitter buffers, which makes me jealous. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, you, you're actually uh, bringing a very interesting uh, uh, story. Uh, and I was telling you uh, hour ago uh, that uh, uh, this stream, what I'm actually talking uh, right now, it's a VPN com communication, which uh, brings me to my corporate network uh, to Raleigh Triangle. And I'm not too far from Randy. Uh, I'm uh, right now in uh, Anglet, uh, it's uh, south of France, and uh, from Randy it's about uh, 250 kilometers, something like that, right Randy? Uh, and Randy on mute. <laughs> For the reason to be jealous, so, you're, you're very near. It's correct. Good morning, sure. So, uh, and I'm one of a few people actually fortunate uh, to time after time uh, go to Bordeaux and uh, meet Randy in person. And uh, it's absolute pleasure talking to him as well as uh, uh, in, in person, not virtually. Uh, virtually, of course, I mean, uh, you guys are doing pretty much every week, uh, but... Uh, uh, what enormous uh, pleasure to actually talk to Randy uh, in life. Uh, I haven't I haven't got a chance to listen his uh, music yet, but uh, uh, it will come. <laughs> Unfortunately, my life is uh, too busy. <laughs> It's all available free online, folks. Go to randyresnick.com. Uh, again, I, I prefer uh, to do everything in person. Uh, regardless, I actually specialist on uh, remote communication and uh, bringing the world together. <laughs> okay, then you can come so, July July 1st, Vlad. Come to Bordeaux. It's a Saturday night. July 1st, it's a date. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to uh, I'll try to make it. Uh, I'll, I'll check uh, uh, if uh, if we have late train back uh, to Bayonne. If we don't have late train, I'll stay overnight in Bordeaux. Great. But otherwise, uh, so now about uh, stuff, what we actually communicating uh, and how we uh, do that. Uh, it's a brand new product from Cisco, and uh, brand new, uh, I'm talking about uh, in-house development from scratch. Uh, a few years ago, uh, our uh, leader uh, uh, joined Cisco and uh, decided to design similar to startup technology uh, within Cisco instead of acquiring companies. So, and... Uh, uh, it was a created brainstorm group, and as a part of the brainstorm, uh, 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 eventually come out this wonderful product it's called Cisco Spark. And uh, Cisco Spark, it's a central uh, point of uh, all imaginable communication what we have. So uh, what we do right now, we talk right now uh, over uh, FED clients, uh, uh, and uh, these FED clients allow us uh, to communicate uh, with a, a really good quality video uh, as well as audio. Uh, so video transmission, it's uh, H.264, and uh, audio transmission, it's Opus. Uh, uh, and uh, with, uh, because it's opposite, it allow us uh, to do, to transmit uh, wideband and uh, uh, with a really good uh, audio quality. Uh, but uh, uh, on the top of it, what is allow us uh, 
actually uh, Spark itself. Yeah, if uh, you integrate in uh, Spark as a part of the enterprise, uh, it allows you to uh, plug in Cisco uh, Unified Call Manager. And Cisco Unified Call Manager uh, can actually make calls uh, into your Spark client uh, like regular call. It becomes uh, like an extension. So let's say, um, uh, let's take my case. Uh, I'm stationed in the south of France, and uh, when I was relocated from Silicon Valley, uh, uh, my extension still remained un in the United States. People call in this extension, and they see me uh, visually, actually, on their phone, the same way how the, uh, how you're seeing right now uh, me uh, uh, through the client, and uh, able to communicate. So th there is a transparent uh, connection over here, uh, and we uh, uh, able to do pretty much... Uh, uh, all over the world. If if I have to go to uh, uh, Berlin, for example, or England, uh, is going to be exactly the same. So you know, my, my uh, extension uh, allow me to uh, transmit uh, pretty much uh, with the same registration point, uh, which is give you uh, absolute uh, uh, absolutely incredible uh, option uh, for the mobility and uh, uh, allowing you to work. Also, uh, one of the uh, crucial points, uh, we know when we get uh, remote uh, from your office, uh, uh, mobile charges become obscene uh, uh, if uh, uh, they're not uh, set up uh, with the special providers. And uh, uh, with uh, Cisco Call Manager, you still, it's, it's your extension. It's exactly the same how you're making calls from the United States. Uh, regardless, uh, it's a audio call or video call. Uh, video call uh, done within the enterprise and within uh, uh, Cisco Spark. Uh, uh, so if, if I have a list of people connected on Cisco Spark, uh, I'm able to communicate. So what else uh, it gives me in terms of the communication? Uh, Cisco Spark uh, uh, allow you to create some of the spaces and the spaces for the uh, uh, communication for different projects. Let's say uh, we're trying to set up that stuff. Uh, uh, let's say we're trying to build up a, a robot and we want to make robot arm uh, which which does uh, some stuff. Uh, let, me, let me share my screen and you can actually see what's going on. Uh, okay. Now, I should say, while you're doing that, we're doing something a little anomalous here in that we're taking uh, a Cisco Spark session. And in my case, I'm running the Windows FAT client, and I am screen scraping that to present it into a Hangout for our usual production path. We have uh, Randy, and earlier we had James connected to the uh, Spark session. So everything that you're seeing here, move my mouse around, is, uh, is within the Spark session and in this particular case you're seeing a screen share on Vlad's system retrieved from here, Spark on my system. I think I I'm still here. I think I just um popped off the end. Oh yeah well there you uh, go. Uh, yeah James yeah. Uh, James is here and uh, uh Okay, uh, so uh, here's the demo, what, what we have, and uh, let's say uh, I want to share some of the uh, uh, PDF files. Let me see if I have a PDF over here on the screen. Yeah, it's hidden. It was hidden. So this is... Uh, okay, so we have this uh, file, uh, po uh, pocket PDF. Uh, I'm just uh, simply dropping in on a shared uh, environment. I can actually put some notes. 
uh, here there uh, uh, PDF we talk about and uh, it it will transmit uh, uh, right now. What you actually see it's uh, not fat client. Uh, you see actually. Uh, Firefox uh, web version, and uh, I'm pretty much uh, able to manipulate uh, like a with a fat client. But the differences between web version and fat client, uh, fat client uh, allow you to uh, do uh, uh, good audio quality for their audio transmission as well as video transmission. Uh, where uh, web, uh, it's not exactly perfect. Uh, I mean, you're still able to communicate. Uh, we don't have much control over video quality uh, and uh, it's it's a little bit pain about that so uh when uh this pdf would be transmitted uh, you, you have to guys remember also uh, uh i'm using right now two different uh, video streams uh, with uh, uh, uh hd quality uh, transmission <laughs> So uh, we we used uh, uh, I, I use two uh, two different uh, uh, computers with uh, HD quality uh, video transmission as well as uh, a web sharing session, and at the same time uh, I'm transferring audio data. And what you see, uh, it's pretty much uh, all, all of this uh, come together at the same time. Now uh, PDF uh, uh, gives us ability to. Uh, uh, share uh, to uh, all of the participants in uh, this session and uh, th this is quite uh, remarkable because uh, uh, you have not only uh, possibility to uh, uh, keep all of this information between uh, all of the group uh, who is participating uh, in this discussion, uh, but also track uh, changes uh, when it comes to it. So, for example, if uh, uh, right now it's a 0.4 version on uh, uh, this file, uh, I can actually, if if I have the same name, I can uh, update and it will have a brand new revision on exactly the same file. So if we have multiple people working at the same time, uh, on the same exact document, uh, let's say Word document. Uh, we have multiple revisions uh, coming together uh, at the same time, and and it is quite remarkable. Uh, also, what it does, uh, it, it does allow us uh, uh, Spark uh, to include some of the bots, and bots quite remarkable. Uh, bots, it's an API to external facilitators. Like for example, uh, if you have some company, and let's say you have some creative idea. Uh, Whatever idea you, it can strike you, uh, I don't know, like a manipulation of the uh, space shuttle uh, coming uh, through the spark, we can do that. So basically, you create an API and you uh, uh, bring in the API together uh, through the spark client and authentication would be done through the spark and all of the participants the same uh, group would be able to uh, space shuttle uh, manipulation uh, uh, in real time. So, uh, or some surgery, for example, uh, it's, it's exactly the same uh, stuff. So you can have uh, a video transmission as well as uh, sharing some documents and uh, discussing what you can possibly do. Uh, so how bots work 
And here's a very interesting example. Uh, Cisco developed in-house uh, some of the translators, and uh, some of the translators uh, uh, created as a bot uh, communication. So let's say we have a uh, uh, French product uh, vacuum machine, and uh, we would like to translate a description to this product. So what we do, we take a uh, uh, description, we place to Spark, and we ask him to translate uh, this to English because uh, uh, not uh, everybody uh, understand French except Randy. <laughs> So, and what we have, uh, we have immediate response uh, uh, from the uh, translator bot, uh, uh, which translated to fairly decent uh, quality, uh, and not, not just fairly decent, excellent quality, I would say, uh, language, readable for humans. Let me enlarge this a little bit. So, vacuum cleaner that uh, both powerful, silent, and uh, echo design uh, is possible with blah, blah, blah. And you can, you can see... Uh, quality of the translation done to uh, really good uh, uh, human readable uh, format. Uh, hopefully at some point uh, we would be able to translate uh, a normal human language but uh, uh, it's it's not immediate. I mean uh, uh, we need to have uh, the same quality speech recognition system. So, uh, and uh, we have uh, also good explanation what is bots and uh, uh, how bots are differentiated between uh, integration. And uh, all of the applications uh, uh, create uh, uh, interaction uh, with your channels. Uh, so when you bring in channel, uh, when you bring in bot uh, to the system, you actually assigning bot uh, to a specific channel. Uh, and it's quite uh, brilliant. Uh, uh, here's a list of the bots, and uh, we have all kinds of uh, bots uh, developed uh, right now, uh, like, for example, from Chinese uh, Simplified Translator. Uh, uh, also, uh, actually, it's a Chinese Simplified Translator. It's uh, from English to Chinese, uh, to be uh, exact. Uh, uh, to French, to German, uh, etc. So, uh, and uh, also we have some of the examples. Examples uh, can be found on a GitHub uh, at the Cisco Spark. Uh, uh, some of the examples quite cool, uh, like for example, GitHub bot, uh, which uh, uh, every time you do commit uh, description would be placed uh, in a channel, in a specific channel for the commit. Uh, uh, also, the possibility to uh, send uh, uh, to, to integrate uh, your channel to RC bot. Uh, book, for example, right now or uh, we have uh, IRC channel uh, where people communicate, and uh, uh, we can actually integrate a Spark bot to, to a book channel now. Uh, comes the best part about that, uh, uh, about current offerings. Uh, Spark uh, is free to sign up. So basically, if you do in a limited uh, fashion, uh, if you do up to three people communication, it's free. And uh, th this is quite nice. And it gives you also ability to, uh, 
for the document exchange uh, uh, and uh, do similar uh, communication what we have right now. Uh, of course, I mean, uh, we had to, uh, in order to have so many people uh, pres- uh, participating at the same time in conference, uh, we need to have commercial version uh, present at the same time. And uh, this is uh, a reason why we have uh, uh, this power user, uh, Ariana, uh, who uh, allow us uh, uh, to bring up uh, multiple people. So... Now, uh, if if you would like, if you would like, uh, we can uh, try to show some of the stuff like uh, uh, with a fat client. Uh, but in terms of the functionality, uh, uh, what web client uh, do, uh, uh, fat client it uh, doesn't come too far. Uh, come uh, in terms of the functionality. But uh, if if Michael can show us uh, his uh, desktop, it would be nice. Mm, okay, so you're seeing my desktop now. Oh, hang on. I've got my video turned off. No, there's so many windows, so little time. There we go. Now you can see me back. So uh, you are, in fact, seeing... Um, hang on. Uh, I see my I see my desktop right now. I you don't see... your see... desktop. So how do I do oh, that? Oh, you, you're transmitting. You trans- oh, you're transmitting right now to their... Uh, right. Uh, <clears throat> so if you turn off your desktop, then I will see the fat client like so. And now I can do things like this because I'm seeing... So I see you and I see all the guys down below. And I can see there's chat and we had various different chat things going on. And coming back to here, we have a white. Hey, we have a whiteboard. That's a new whiteboard. And and so now we've got a whiteboard and we can ask questions or um, well, such like that. What do people actually do with these? And, and what would I, it says share live. So there we go. Now you can draw on the whiteboard too, I'm presuming. So I would say proving that I did not take art. <laughs> so uh, let's erase yeah, that. But I can't. I just tried to, to draw something rude on your whiteboard and failed. No, well, somebody drew something. I'm, I'm seeing something going on over there. Uh, I'll pick a different color. Oh, there we go. Now, clearly I'm not in the target market for this. <laughs> it's a transistor it, it, and it's going to ground by way of a resistor don't you know james resistance is futile that's me but it's not great that you're trying to draw i was trying to draw a Colpitz Colpitz oscillator but it's hard to do on a on a uh whatever you call exactly. it touchpad touchpad exactly wait so uh yeah hard hard to do with a mouse so i'm going to erase some of the how do you what's the cathode i already forgot <laughs> so that would bring us nicely into the the spark board is that something we can talk about as well because yeah I mean, we're doing Yes, absolutely. We have right now one of the really cool products right now released. Uh, uh, it's a telepresence uh, uh, board which allow you to do Spark together with a whiteboard. So it's uh, like a gigantic TV uh, and you have ability to do what uh, Michael did right now uh, with the sharing and uh, I did a little smiley angry face uh, up in the corner over there uh and uh, I, have a, actually, I, have a pic- I have a picture of it just behind you now or below you now um, i, I drew a, a browser yeah. window of it showing this the spark board <clears throat> so uh and uh beauty about uh, uh spark board uh, i mean from the telepresence uh, uh unit uh people can do pretty much uh, like a whiteboard uh, uh in the regular office and that is immediately transmitted uh, across the entire world and 
people can do correction, uh, they can do some some of the remarks, and uh, of course you can uh, make a recording of it. And that is absolutely brilliant uh, about that. Mm-hmm. And and can you can you use as a base of it something other than white? So could we start with some kind of a you know more evolved thing and then and then mark it up as opposed to because I, I I can't see somebody you know if you're gonna write write on a um, drawing no. you have to have, you have to sort of can't see somebody drawing on a uh, from scratch. But uh, I'm not sure if we can do different colors. Uh, uh, I don't use whiteboard for my stuff, unfortunately. Uh, okay. Uh, usually, usually it's a, a short presentation and uh, discussions about uh, uh, some of the uh, configuration stuff and uh, uh, document review. And uh, that is uh, a bit diff- different uh, uh, from current experience what we're trying to do. But I can see totally how uh, in R&D it's need to be done. Like, for example, if you have a joint team uh, pretty much across the entire world and you have European, American, uh, Indian and Chinese uh, group uh, and uh, all these joint team need to actually participate in it, we can do all kinds of uh, fun stuff with it. Yeah, and, and clearly you, like myself, if you're working from a home office environment, uh, these kinds of things which are intended to go into a conference room where a group might meet and reach out to, to you, but these are things like that whiteboard are really in service of the people who are in the bigger conference room, not so much uh, you because you're right in front of your computer, right? So context yeah. plays a role. All right. Well, this is actually pretty slick. Um, and I'm just playing with the uh, the fat client and showing <laughs> the different uh, things, people's files. So if I wanted to show you a file or, well, what do I do? I would add a file here or? You can add file. Uh, you can uh, add uh, Word, for example, and it will have really cool uh, preview for the Word. How about if the I same PowerPoint? You can have PowerPoint and PowerPoint will have a PowerPoint view. And how do I add, how do I, do I just drag it over to there? Yeah. Let's see, I'm going to exactly. grab something from my ZipDX realm here. Uh, here we go. This is actually a PDF. Oh, somebody calling someone. Skype, Skype. Yes, it's Dave Michael calling me. Um, well, I, I couldn't drag a PDF over there. Let me see about the PowerPoint there. Into the files strip. It didn't let me do that. How do I have to do it? Uh, it will uh, it will turn uh, to different. Uh, let me let me see. Why don't you go ahead and do it at your end, and we'll see it. Well, uh, well I suppose. Uh, I have to show this on a browser, and I already showed that. Uh, I do this. Uh, uh, Let me see if I can create something. So while we're doing that, who's the target market? Because... I mean, uh, some, some people some people are going to be, you know, too small for this. Some people, I don't know about too big. Uh, use a target no, actually, uh, uh, actually, from uh, regular individuals with the free accounts uh, to uh, big enterprises and uh, small companies as well. So if you have, uh, for example, uh, engagement with uh, certain companies and you have a process uh, uh, which requires uh, installation, and as far my, as far as my understanding, you do. Mm-hmm. So when you when you do engagement with uh, company, you have approximately, let's say, a month or maybe two months uh, installation process or configuration, pre-configuration process, architectural review, etc. So you need to have a document exchange and stuff like that. Instead of sending and shooting this over email, which is absolutely insane, uh, you're doing this uh, through the Spark and uh, it's it's quite easy uh, uh, and uh, simple on many different levels. So, uh, uh, and uh, if you don't have a large company, uh, 
uh, pricing actually it's quite uh, nice uh, i mean it's uh, i believe it's 25 uh, dollars per uh, seat uh, requirement and uh, it will go for up to 25 uh, participants uh, for the call uh, and you will have uh, uh, not much limitations in terms of the space uh, uh, and communication. You, you you have to take a look on uh, exact offering what is over there. So let me, let me uh, save this presentation and we can actually see how it will come out. So let's say this. Oh, I put that completely. Oh, no, it's gone to another monitor. Well, that's confusing to me. Hang on. We're going to do that differently. You, you must be over here now and over there. So you want to put uh, share in the same uh, uh, over here? I've taken it away. It's, it, it keeps moving from place to place over here. Oh, demo. Yeah. Uh, demo versus English. There, uh, there we go. Over here. So if we do that in the files or in the or here number two like over here okay yeah okay so i'm i see that okay so i'm looking at that that file right there which i can then take a quick look at and still see you around it i can move you around cool and then, excellent that's interesting so i can see it without necessarily having access to it i'm just looking at a preview so hang on randy shared a photo we'll go back to that yeah this is really exciting stuff it's the fan speeds <laughs> but i just wanted to show that because uh, you were having trouble putting documents on. It's actually very easy, but there's a little plus at the bottom of the chat. That's what you do. Uh, and you have to click send. Uh, you, you have you to click in comment. You enter. Click. Yeah, you have to hit enter. That was the non-intuitive uh, part. Click enter. No, no, hit enter. Intuitive. Uh, right. Uh, so, Michael, if you can uh, switch to VOOC demo uh, selection, you can actually see the file what I share, and uh, it will have nice preview. Okay. Just it's that. only one page. Okay, well, down here, we got that one. And that's the presentation one. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So if I were to do that, what I would do is I would say down here, uh, do a, an attachment and I would just come out to uh, we'll go to work related stuff. Okay, we'll do that, which is a, a PowerPoint sl slide set. Now, do you see that or where, do, where does it show? No, I don't. I don't see that because you uh, I'm not part of the uh, Hangout. So it's oh, no, a it's different it's screen. screen demo. Okay. Well, whatever the case may be, that's fine. <laughs> it's 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 okay. I'm still seeing the white whiteboard share. There we go. I just didn't click enter to actually send it. So it now moves on and, and becomes, oh. uh, that, that was a PDF as well. Oh, cool. So you can then download that or you. Wow. There we go. So you can handle a lot of documents. You can handle video. Um, we're uh, kind of manhandling the video because we're feeding things to it that are not normal webcams. Uh, and we're also you know, manhandling the audio. How does it interact with other things in the Cisco world? So does it fits and works and plays well with a call manager? How about um, you know video conference endpoints and stuff like that? Uh, video conference and uh, the way how it's done, uh, we use uh, telepresence uh, and uh, for video conferencing and WebEx. And we have uh, backend uh, communication with WebEx, uh, both WebEx and telepresence. So all of the within corporate world uh, registration with uh, telepresence uh, would actually uh, uh, communicate uh, with... Uh, uh, Spark uh, the same exact way how we do right now with the Fed clients uh, or web clients. And uh, uh, WebEx is pretty much the same. Uh, however, there are some uh, minor di differences uh, like uh, uh, 
Right now, we have uh, multiple uh, HD screens uh, communicating uh, with each other. Uh, with WebEx, uh, it will uh, transmit uh, uh, active participant uh, in HD, but uh, uh, you will see you, st you will see still roster the same way uh, as we do right now. Interesting. And uh, okay. So it's, you know, if you're a Cisco house, it, it's, it should be pretty seamless. Then. Um, you, you have to understand, Cisco is a giant company, right? I mean, we have 80,000 uh, employees uh, all over the world and uh, transmit uh, uh, HD tool uh, video quality. Uh, it's, it's, it's a big challenge uh, also for us because uh, in the morning uh, when it's happening in the United States, uh, uh, everybody uh, try to communicate, right? I mean, uh, normal, uh, normal business hours and uh, we want to have uh, experience uh, uh, top notch and uh, every single person uh, within corporate network uh, basically transmit uh, uh, approximately uh, megabit or several megabit uh, uh, video transmission and uh, if we transmit it from the telepresence equipment. So we have to uh, account for all of that and that is happening pretty much daily. So, uh, uh, and data in terms of the audio, it's also enormous. I mean, uh, yes, it's challenging, uh, but uh, at the same time, it's wonderful. I mean, uh, uh, instead of coming uh, to United States uh, pretty much uh, on a quarter base, I uh, can come uh, once a year or maybe once in two years. <laughs> and and how does this change culturally? How does this change some things about how you do business? For example, um, do you get uh, do people get sort of grumpy if they have to take a telephone call and it's not not video enabled? Or I mean, are there are there hierarchies of of preferences or this sort of thing? Uh, no, people is not exactly uh, people. From from my understanding, uh, one thing would have changed uh, drastically. Uh, your uh, ability for uh, mobility create in interesting paradigm. Uh, you actually able to participate in communication uh, uh, in any place around the world uh, at any given moment. And that is uh, creating a very interesting uh, stuff. I mean, uh, naturally, we have to work uh, normal hours. But uh, at the same time, if we have urgent uh, staff uh, and uh, all of the companies uh, do. Uh, we can actually solve this uh, pretty much uh, in any part of the world. I mean, we can bring up uh, people and uh, have a decent communication and uh, solve the problem together. Uh, uh, of course, it was done used to be with WebEx, uh, but uh, uh, Spark bring us uh, to the next level of, for the document communication. And that is quite a drastic uh, impact on uh, overall uh, one one really cool part. Uh, every single channel, what you actually see over here, uh, it's encrypted, and uh, encryption allows uh, to feel safe uh, about uh, uh, you're not going to have uh, 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 corporate proprietary information shared across uh, uh, unwanted territory, and people can actually snoop uh, on your. Uh, 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 basically uh, corporate property. I mean, 
it's it's quite important for companies uh, to have uh, uh, intellectual property uh, to keep intact uh, until its uh, release. Uh, and uh, for, for that exact purpose, uh, like for example, I'm using uh, fake accounts over here, like uh, Ariana. Uh, Ariana is not a real person; it's a fake, uh, uh, fake known as existing uh, account. Uh, my name is Vlad M. Uh, also, I'm not using my corporate account for this exact purpose because it's a proprietary. I mean, it's intellectual property information which I would not want uh, to disclose. Uh, uh, to mass public around the world. So, but encryption, encryption—it's—it's it's wonderful, uh, safe uh, notion that uh, uh, we we can uh, be safe and uh, we can go uh, uh, to let's say uh, airport lounge and I know my communication—it's uh, encrypted. This is really nice feeling. Let me put it this way. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And uh, and so all of this is uh, well, a lot of this is WebRTC or there's some WebRTC involved. In it. That is, you have WebRTC web involved web on a on a, on a web client, and if you notice, if you notice, uh, 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 web client demanded for video communication to enable. Uh, uh, Firefox instead of uh, Chrome, mm -hmm. and there is an interesting reason for that. Well, HTTP4, uh, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, we uh, Cisco open uh, uh, H.264 to entire world. Basically, you can go to open H.264, download, compile, and use for your own purposes. It's free for you because we uh, uh, Cisco paying licenses for that, uh, and. Uh, Basically, uh, this library is maintained uh, and uh, it's absolutely legal. Uh, we we went uh, through legal department and uh, all all of the hoops and stops. Uh, uh, we pay uh, to uh, unpack a consortium uh, 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 required fee, and you guys can use H two six four free of charge. And it will be as long as uh, Cisco uh, using H two six four open for you guys. So please uh, use and uh, uh, unfortunately uh, folks from uh, Google, it's not so ego uh, uh, to use uh, H.264. Uh, they are going for the, in favor of the VP8 and VP9. But um, for that exact purpose, we use Firefox. Sure, because Firefox adopted, they jumped on board that open H.264 project. Um, so let me whisper this in your ear. H.265, what about it, hey? Unfortunately, uh, the way how Impact Consortium paying, I mean, required uh, pay licenses for H.265, it's nuts. And uh, I don't think we can find loophole over there. <laughs> Uh, the reason is uh, uh, H.265, uh, what, what they do right now, uh, they demand uh, profit share uh, from the usage of the H.265 on an annual basis, and we can't possibly do anything out of it. I mean, I we the cannot... Word is, uh, the word is onerous. They have onerous license terms that are, you know, completely revolve around consumer applications, which is just unfortunate. On the other hand, to their credit, they were able to do the first Ultra HD live broadcast from space space station this past week was kind of nice so yeah and uh, by the way you you, you heard uh, Elon Musk uh, uh, speech about uh, he planning uh, to by uh, to, uh, 2019 launch uh, more than 4000 satellites
flights uh, with a latency less than 20 milliseconds. I don't know how he's he going to pull it, but uh, still, I mean, it, it would be remarkable to see uh, video transmission uh, going over uh, such uh, network of the satellites. Let's see, lower earth, um, low earth orbit, so low that they're actually... No, 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 down. no, actually, it's a geostationary, it's a geostationary orbit, so it's, uh, we're talking about a thousand, uh, uh, between thousand to twelve hundred kilometers uh, in the geostationary uh, how's he, level. How's it going so, to accelerate the speed of light? I don't know, uh, you, you heard about uh, <laughs> wormhole. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe he discovered the wormhole. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. If anybody could do it. Although, you know, the guy who also founded the Boring Company. Well, there you go. Sorry. We're digressing. Um, uh, yeah. So, James, but, uh, yeah. you come from a big corporate environment. Um, uh, but you're, you're, you're blessedly free of it now. Um, how does this fit into uh, what you might have experienced in the past? Would it, would it have been useful? Did you have something like this? Um, uh, yeah, we, yeah, we tried all kinds tried of all things. Kinds. Uh, try, not, try and work out which microphone I want. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? So are we. In stereo. <laughs> yeah, I have got about five different screens, and they've all got different views of Vlad and company, so I'm not quite sure what's going on. Yeah, we tried most things. I think one thing I haven't tried is Slack until today, um, but we tried everything else. Uh, Skype in, in all of its various forms. Skype Ready. business. Ready your mic yourself what what now now it's better no i just muted james in the hangout so keep talking james am i i muted yeah, you in the I'm hangout not, so that now you're now you're only talking in slack or in um, not can, slack, can you hear me in spark. spark yeah in spark and spark is being bridged over to the hangout so if you talk in oh, spark, okay we hear you everywhere oh crikey um <laughs> yeah so what are we using at the moment I, we're using a mixture of wire and slack at the moment so so vlad you have to do a bit of a job on me to convince me to uh use slack as well it's not to, to use spark as well so if you had to compare slack with spark what can you highlight immediately that slack can't do oh you're you're muted and in all all muted. fairness uh, we should uh, probably uh, I'm, i don't know why my video is black but in all fairness uh, vlad is not a commercial salesperson for uh, for Spark, he uh, has a totally other job description. He's an engineer that wor who works in other things. He was kind enough to present it, so he may not be the right oh, person. Right, to ask. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, Plaid. Oh, but uh, but, uh, but uh, what, what I believe, uh, I'm uh, I'm not much familiar with uh, Slack. Uh, let, let me put it this way. Uh, but uh, one of the biggest part it's uh, naturally bots and APIs. What we have. So uh, if you, uh, in, uh, a company, uh, uh, like for example, Michael's company or any, any small company uh, uh, up to, let's say, several hundred people, and you have decent product uh, uh, revolving around voice, uh, basically uh, Spark, it's absolutely incredible platform to build something around it. And why is that, uh, for my opinion? Uh, it's incredible uh, because uh, you create uh, your business offering uh, on the top of the Cisco uh, platform. And uh, uh, Cisco, it's a big fat company in the sense of the sales and distribution. And uh, I, I see Spark uh, within very short period of future uh, jumping in a commercial wagon uh, with a different uh, 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 corporations. And 
and uh, and also government organizations. Uh, we have to understand. I mean, basically, security is one of the biggest uh, things what we require for the government. And uh, uh, if you create some uh, really good business offering around Spark, uh, you will uh, enable uh, Cisco offering together with your own, uh, and basically you'll be empowered by the Cisco network. And that is uh, one of the biggest achievements of my opinion. Okay. I th- and I think, you know what, Vlad, I think you're absolutely right. That is key to going forward, to, the, to have the ability to interface other systems into the core messaging uh, video voice system. Um, earlier, you mentioned that you you could uh, interface streams like IRC into Spark. How easy is that to do? Um, I, I let me put it this way: I haven't done yet. Uh, I, I haven't. I haven't played, so I cannot. Uh, I cannot answer on on this uh, purpose because. Uh, Basically, uh, I have Cisco uh, a par uh, behind me uh, doing a very severe uh, uh, heavy lifting. So I can uh, and, uh, I can address that actually. I had a play with uh, in when it was first released. I had a go at uh, writing a bot when the bot interface first came out for, for Spark. I had a go at it, and it's actually pretty easy. It's one of the easier bot interfaces. Um, so uh, it, it seemed pretty 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 simple to me. I had it running. In fact, I think I re- remember running it on a on a big or burn black. So it's not a not a heavy heavy process. Admittedly, I didn't try um, try interfacing to IRC, but that's a, certainly doable. Um, I can't see why it'd be a problem. I think the only thing that's uh, like a little bit not difficult but kind of novel is that Cisco's Spark has its own idea about namespaces. So you've got to kind of you've got to work with their their uh, their logic about how namespaces work and how people get added to groups and it's, it wasn't that was actually the hardest part of it is trying to understand the the kind of um the model rather than uh, rather than anything else anyway there you go that's my my sort of um this is demo somewhere on the um, on it's a great i did a demo somewhere i'm trying to think where anyway and never mind. Um, it's certainly do, it's certainly easy to do. So, yeah. uh, what uh, what actually coming uh, to Spark in the future? And I can give you some little preview. Uh, uh, Right now, what we do, we do a pure web communication. And as I described, uh, we also have uh, enterprise offering when we uh, communicate uh, uh, with a uh, telepresence system. And basically, uh, uh, beautiful telepresence units uh, which have detection of their uh, active participants with a Zoom uh, in future. Uh, already integrated with Spark, and uh, that is a beautiful part. Uh, but one thing, uh, what is have not been done on a grand scale uh, thing, uh, we don't have uh, meeting participants uh, joining, or, or it, it, it's not yet there uh, in terms of the offering uh, on on a personal level. Uh, for the from the telephony perspective, so it's it's only offer for the enterprises and enterprises uh, uh, level. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward when we can actually open up uh, for everybody to use and uh, when people can actually call uh, on a telephony and uh, join uh, the same conference what we have uh, right now. So you'll be able from regular telephone, uh, even dumb telephone, uh, to join uh, pretty much anywhere. The same what uh, uh, WebEx are doing uh, right now, uh, when you can actually join VoIP as well as you can use uh, telephony, uh, regular telephony call uh, to join exactly the same uh, conference bridge. 
and uh, that is a really really nice option uh, to have and uh, that would be done for, uh, for the general general offering I, do, I don't know I, I have to take a look on exact schedule delivery uh, and that that is by the way it's it's my primary job i mean uh, uh, i'm responsible for the classic telephony integration with voip and uh, uh, we also have a crossover for the video communication etc so very cool so so i have an additional question to ask which is purely personal um, sure. which is uh, so do you do you get to uh, get to interact with my ex colleagues from from tropo because um, i used to work on tropo a few years ago and uh, and they do a lot of the telephony stuff but they're based in San Francisco, so I don't know if you. I know, I know, I know Tropo. I know Tropo pretty well. Uh, uh, Tropo has uh, actually uh, uh, one of the uh, parts of the Tropo was uh, part of the uh, joint effort uh, with uh, uh, Spark option and uh, Tropo offering uh, in the integrated part of the Spark. Uh, uh, <laughs> But uh, it, what we have uh, in, in terms of the Tropo, Tropo, it's, it's more like a premium type of API for the telephony and control telephony. Uh, what we have right now, uh, Spark architecture allows us uh, to, co to control direct uh, uh, audio and video streams. And uh, uh, coming from the multiple providers, uh, it's probably better uh, to shift uh, with direct communication and direct control. I, I don't know how, how it will work out in the future and how it would be integrated, but uh, uh, Tropa, yes, right now it's a part of the Spark uh, in the integration uh, package. Cool. Thank you. Sure. Other questions? Questions from... We have some people on Zip the app. Let's see. Do we? We did. Yes, we do. Yeah, Maxim. Hey, Maxim. How are you doing? Hey, good. How are you guys? Uh, you know, just so uh, it's slightly off topic here, but you do realize that we're gluing together a Hangout and Spark and Zip DX and IRC and MPEG3, and <laughs> this is a juice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> And uh, thanks to Michael. I mean, Michael uh, uh, and ZipDX uh, done absolutely incredible job uh, and uh, uh, enormous respect uh, coming from Cisco architectural team. Let me put it this way. <laughs> well, we'll try and leverage that to make a living someday. So <laughs> in any event. Uh, right now it's hobby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, James, Randy, Max. we're coming up to the, we're at our hour. The satellite's going to shut us down. Yeah, I was thinking we might talk about this SS7 thing if, um, and, and Vlad oh. knows what I'm, he knows about that story too as well. Do you live in the SS7 world too, Vlad? He knows uh, about I, it. Uh, uh, Randy, Randy, uh, Kind of uh, described me uh, uh, described me a couple of minutes ago about uh, uh, issue what's happened uh, about SS7 world, but I'm uh, intimately familiar with SS7. So basically, in the old days, uh, I was part of the company called Intervoice. Uh, no, it was prior Intervoice. Uh, IPverse. IPverse. Uh, uh, and IPverse, uh, uh, sorry about that, guys. Uh, I need to. Now, what uh, I wonder about is in the, in the earliest days of my explorations of things, I got uh, Vaughn Magazine, and Vaughn Magazine had all these things that I didn't understand at first, but came to have at least some passing familiarity with. And SS7 was really big back then. Well, it's still big now. The only thing is it's so deep under so many layers that um, it's largely a carrier thing, right? And that would never get to users. <laughs> 
it's always it's always been carrier it's always been carrier and it's always been uh, uh basically holy grail of the carriers so one of the uh, one of the interesting part uh, when you're talking with the big providers uh, uh, i'm talking about largest uh, premium uh, top top level uh, uh, providers uh, in the united states uh, not much people actually understand that uh, ss7 uh, have uh, deep impact uh, in integration of the VoIP and uh, they have no idea, for example, I mean, some of the providers have no idea how to use some of the features uh, uh, with uh, 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 from, from the SS7. Like, for example, uh, a lot of things, for my opinion, uh, uh, whatever under their control, they can actually map uh, ISAP messages uh, within uh, SIP messages and prevent a lot of uh, fraud control. Like, for example, calling back to uh, premium numbers, a lot of fraud uh, uh, evolve around this uh, area. So uh, calls made to international uh, direction, uh, authorization going uh, through the uh, uh, ISAP messages uh, for their uh, authorizing transaction. And uh, all of this stuff, it's under uh, SS7 control. And frankly speaking, uh, large companies uh, uh, can uh, actually utilize these uh, functions uh, to prevent uh, fraud uh, within uh, their customer network. So uh, if they have offering, they should actually use this uh, for their customers and charge them, I don't know, uh, two cents per, uh, per call or something like that, which would actually assure customers uh, that uh, no fraud would be done on their network because uh, some of the cases uh, uh, happening uh, with uh, uh, Nigerian princes <laughs> uh, running a couple of uh, thousand dollars uh, per day uh, just on, on external charges. And uh, uh, like I said, uh, one uh, wonderful possibility to prevent that uh, is just uh, to implement uh, special traps uh, within SS7 network. And uh, what Randy described me... Uh, uh, and uh, by the way, uh, uh, what, what I said previously, SS7 network is not penetratable uh, for one simple reason, because it's not exposed uh, to regular IP network. It's absolutely separate. So whatever people did uh, fraud associated with that, uh, it's an inside job. Yeah. And it's always it inside. A, there has to be a social aspect to it. Yeah, so well, basically, know, I'm afraid that's not totally true. Yeah, I was going um, to try to get James, yeah, yeah. try to get James yeah, to get in. you can get into the SS7 remotely using SIGTRAN which is basically SS7 over IP. And one of the issues is that uh, a number of operators have left uh, ways open so that um, third parties can, can sneak their way back into the SS7 um, and then do uh, all kinds of really bad things. In fact, the, uh, the standard thing that is being discussed in this article that Brandy's put up now is the, uh, the art of um, redirecting both voice traffic and SMS traffic to uh, a third party location. And then... Uh, um, if you're really skillful, what you then do is you then reflect it back down to its uh, original uh, intended delivery point. So you end up with a man-in-the-middle type interception uh, set up. Um, and there have been a number of cases of this uh, reported quite widely in the press. I mean, one of the highest profile um, examples was where... Um, the um, the chancellor of the uh, of Germany had her phone hacked by a, a Western uh, intelligence agency. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
but it's also very, very common on the other side. So, I just going to say that, that the kind of thing, the kind of man in the middle attack that you described, sounds like something that um, somebody who could compel the um, compliance of a major carrier would uh, would, would Jim's, jump, in, jump on just Jim's, quickly. Uh, without without knowledge, without knowledge of the internal infrastructure for the SS7 network, because uh, remember uh, each of the F-link or A-link, what you have uh, uh, in the SS7 network. It's authorized uh, transactions. Uh, they are responsible for the authorization or between their uh, uh, class four or class five switches uh, for the uh, uh, relationship. And uh, that is quite substantial uh, relationship in, in terms of the SS7 carriers uh, because uh, data data transmission going over there uh, in obscene level. Uh, we, we're we talking about uh, uh, regular uh, A-Links uh, 64K. Uh, it's a pure data transmission which uh, compressed uh, in uh, uh, in a very dense uh, communication for the authorization. Each of the message uh, uh, during the handshake uh, receive uh, authorization transaction for the, is it permittable uh, for this particular call or not permittable for this call uh, between the switches. So the same story about SMS uh, messages. So, uh, and within uh, uh, each of the ISAP messages uh, have uh, uh, information uh, who uh, authorized this transaction and uh, who is going to pay for it. And uh, that is, uh, uh, if somebody left backhaul uh, within IP network and allowed uh, some somebody to tap on the server network, then uh, we're talking about serious, serious breach of the security and uh, uh, this company simply... Yes, yes, we are. We are. And there are a number of operators still out there doing this. Um, and uh, and if you want to see an example, um, there are a couple of uh, German gentlemen who hopefully will be joining us at uh, Camelio World next week, who demonstrated um, redirecting or intercepting the voice traffic and SMS traffic from an Australian government minister uh, in Berlin. And they this was on Australian TV, primetime TV. And the, uh, the Australian government minister did not believe it until they produced um, tapes of the, of the conversation and examples of all the text that was going across the, uh, the SMS channel. If I understand Randy's yeah, case in point, uh, we, we, was, which is where there's serious money to be made, is that, that everyone's using um, SMS as a second factor for authentication, particularly people like banks. So high-value customers are using getting SMSs to verify their logins. And if you can sidetrack that SMS, then you can probably take over a big transaction and send it off to, to somewhere else. And that, that if I understand it correctly, was what was uh, described in that um, in that document. So I think that the days of personally, I think the days of, of SMS as a second factor of are, are very much numbered. I think that's uh, and the idea that I mean all of these networks where you say, hey, you know. Um, it's so closed, so safe because it's closed on the outside. It, it never turns out that way. Everyone's always lazier than you'd hoped. And there's always another link in somewhere that you'd forgotten about. And in the end, you know, that, that kind of hard shell uh, network architecture never works um, in the long term. Isn't that what they call yeah, the security? I, 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 security? I, I, I actually disagree over here uh, for one simple reason, because uh, uh, lately, uh, I would say uh, past a year, maybe two, uh, no longer a full number uh, for the SMS transmission uh, displayed on the display uh, when uh, you do authorized uh, transactions. So, for example, 
if you have a cell phone and it will show you a part of the cell phone so either last a couple of digits or in the middle a couple of digits whatever it's transmitted it's transmitted partially so basically for the hackers it would be extremely difficult to intercept so they have to log into database decrypt uh, a field associated with a phone number for the for the second channel uh, communication and uh, uh, use utilize this uh, second channel communication for their uh, spoofing the transaction on a SS7 network, uh, which is yeah, quite one thing I'll say about that. That's not true in every scenario. And if you have a, a proper um, real uh, mobile network operator communicating with another real mobile network operator, you cannot obscure all of the signaling data data because you you need it to make the system work um so um, uh, james, but, but, but you're right there is a lot of uh, obscuring going on so for example james uh, one one example for you uh, one example for you uh, uh if you utilize in in united states uh, most of the american folks uh, start using uh, google numbers uh, for their communication uh and google number uh, uh is sms capable so google number uh, hooked up to uh, back end of the google network and when SMS transmitted to Google network, uh, it goes through the encrypted uh, communication. Uh, so when you're looking inside the Hangout, uh, it, it, uh, it's just uh, the same SMS. But uh, when bank does a uh, transaction authentication, it will happen specifically uh, outside of the SMS network because uh, it will happen between the bank and uh, Google. Yeah, but the, um, the trunk signaling is still SS7 until it gets into Google. So I think the, the insecure bit is not the Google bit. It's, uh, it's what happens before. But, but there you are. And you I have to say that, that you, there's a lot more you can get out of the signaling than just the, the traffic. So, for example, if you want to track the physical location of an individual, you can do that quite e easily by manipulation of the SS7 as well. Yes, true. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, we used to play uh, a little game. Uh, where in the world is Tim? Not you, Tim, but a different Tim. Uh, one of our <laughs> colleagues used to do a lot of traveling around the world, and we used to, to follow him using his, uh, his SS7 signaling just to find out where he was and why not. <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, it is possible. I mean, uh, but uh, a uh, banks in the United States requires uh, to pass through the PCM certification, and PCM certification uh, uh, required uh, to have uh, certain uh, uh, steps uh, for the encryption, including database encryption uh, for the fields. Uh, and uh, uh, in, in order to understand uh, who is going to authenticate with whom and how it's going to happen, you must know which number he is uh, authenticating with. So if you have a phone number or mobile phone number of the person, it's not necessarily this person would actually use this mobile number for the authentication because, uh, like I said, Google uh, does it uh, wonderfully for free uh, for the SMS communication as well as uh, 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 voice uh, voice communication within the uh, United States and banks uh, can perfectly actually transmit uh, uh, SMS with, uh, in between. So you, you're not going to know even which number it's going to be. If I remember yeah. rightly, um, a lot of uh, second factor auth, auth people don't allow you to use Google voice numbers. Um, they'll detect a Google voice number and reject it because it's not, uh, it's not seen as being 
<laughs> secure. So, uh, so I'm not sure that that's a particularly good example, actually. Yeah, it's, it's a good example. It's a good example. There is, there is a, there is a wonderful, uh, I would say, uh, road back. Uh, I mean, backhaul uh, to uh, how to get the number. So, uh, go to any of the store, uh, pick up a mobile phone. Uh, prepaid mobile phone, uh, get a beautiful number, uh, whatever you want, uh, and later on uh, transfer the do local number portability with Google. You're done. Uh, this number would actually look <laughs> the existing provider. Right, but, but then but then you've weakened the signaling because the signaling goes through the original provider or, or goes is offered to the original provider first and then to Google. So you you've lost your uh, your your security step there because you now have the the data no, bouncing. No, no, no. No, that's how you, portability works. You, you, you didn't lose anything for one simple reason because uh, yes, I agree with you. Uh, uh, it's it's bouncing uh, through the uh, STP within provider. Uh, actually, it's not bouncing within provider because routing uh, set within STP. But uh, uh, the way how uh, Google will do, do that stuff. Uh, so you, you authenticate when it was mobile, and you're not advertising this number anyway. You have what only is the best. In, in the opinions of this esteemed group, which I can hear myself coming back, so I'm not talking clearly. Um, so, you know, when they allow the Google Voice numbers, I just get the confirmation code via email, which is so insecure, it's absurd. Um, the other thing is to use the Google app, which is the authenticator. Uh, what are the best suggestions for this problem of uh, two-factor authentication, though? Because obviously uh, the phone thing is, is not going to be great if you've got 200K in a bank someplace and you think you're doing a good job. Well, yeah, I can give you a top tip. Um, the security or insecurity of mobile networks varies between mobile networks. And one thing that you can do, if you want to find out how secure or insecure your network is um, there's a, a wonderful um, Android application called Snoop Snitch, uh, which is uh, produced by Luca and his team in 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 Berlin. What it does is that it um, probes all of the different signaling um, possibilities on your network and then reports back to you um, how secure or insecure your particular network is. Um, and another thing that it, it'll do is um, if you're wandering around and you um, you end up hanging off uh, off an Imsi grabber, that's a, a fake um mobile base station um it, it again will it'll detect that and tell you that you've been imsy grabbed uh and uh and the reason that luca and his team are doing this is that that uh, a copy of that data is then fed back into berlin and they they then produce world maps showing which networks are secure and which networks are relatively insecure so um the and the reason they do that is they're ethical hackers. They're trying to increase the awareness of which networks are good and which networks are bad um, to kind of shame them into um, doing something about it. But, if, of course, if you're a nefarious bad person, you just look at the, the heat map and you just go for the insecure networks and kind of attack through there. Don't you? So, so yes. to yeah. answer uh, Randy's question about 2FA, if you're going to not use SMS, I think there are two. For banking, you always want to go for a, a physical token like this with a with a, um, a number on it because then you've got a, an item that isn't isn't in isn't connected it's a non-connected device so that's a, a yeah, nice... I disagree with you Tim I, I don't like items like this which camera are we on that one because 
they're a pain in the ass to, to deal with. My favorite um, authentication means is biometric because I can't lose my face or my voice. Yeah, and it's hard, to, re- it hard to revoke, though, James. You re- you've only got 10 fingers. You can't, can, you, once you've got through them, you can't revoke any more fingerprints. Um, so, I mean, that I, I, I take your point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like I like the touch stuff for, for a lot of lot of things, but I think, think for banking, for something where you think you might want to revoke it, um, and I think these things are good. And then for for Google, I think anyone who's using Gmail or Facebook seriously and and is got a presence they want to worry about should be using one of these, a YubiKey, um, as the second factor auth for for Google, GitHub, and Facebook. Um, it, it's yeah, a, again, it, I disagree. I would disagree with you, Tim. I mean, how much? How much do you? Wait, wait, how, wait. How much do you trust that YubiKey? Do you know who who made it? Actually, I do. A bunch of Swedes who who uh, who um, Mr. Johansson introduced me to. So that, it, as it turns out, uh, I do have some traceability back to its manufacturer. Yeah, it's like using the same argument about SIM cards. You know, SIM cards are secure. You you can't crack them. You can't get the cryptographic key variables out of that. Um, all I have to say is Gem Alto. And I, yeah. I, I'm, and, and, but that, I mean, I, I agree to some extent, but there's, there's, a, there's a big distinction, which is that on these... You initiate, you initialize them yourself. They don't come pre-initialized. They're simply a storage mechanism. So I get to put the keys on here. Now, okay, the the program that puts the key on there could be hacked, and and there are various mechanisms which could be could be hacked. But I think this is these are are, are the current. Mm, uh, to my mind, they're the current uh, best practice for for the those three sites. Uh, you know, Facebook, Google, and GitHub all support these devices. They're all backing them and they're all requiring their engineers to use them. So, um, you know, Google have a policy of, of you have to use these. So uh, there's a reasonable amount of mass behind it. Whether there are better devices or better mechanisms or whether, as you say, if they if it doesn't suit your kind of lifestyle, if you lose things too easily, um, I, I, I get that point. Um, I, I don't, ha- I mean, I, you know, I keep the, keep the YubiKey on my key ring and I'm not lost it yet. Touchwood. Uh, you have ways of backing well, them up. When, when, you, when, you, when you do lose it, and all of a sudden you've got a self-induced denial of service attack. Well, I mean, uh, actually, uh, there's uh, a... One, the, one, one of the substantial problems, actually, I see over here, uh, it's uh, uh, usage uh, very limited uh, to uh, computers where you can actually plug in this key. Uh, you cannot plug in uh, pretty much everywhere, like, for example, mobile network. If you need to uh, have a transfer uh, happening between mobile network, then you're pretty much screwed at this point. Well, so... Yeah, so yeah, absolutely I, right. That's where things like uh, your voice and your face uh, come in really, really handy because voice will work over a voice circuit and your face will work over a video circuit. Uh, so so you, both of those statements are wrong. This is NFC enabled, so it is does work with, with Android devices. Devices. Admittedly, it yeah, doesn't. Yeah, work. Yeah, well, it'll only work with Android devices with NFC read, radio, readers and anything else, and you kind of stuff. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you completely. I'm just saying that it's not strictly true. And I would also say that, that um, it, the the spoofability of both voice and images are, 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 are and to a lesser extent, fingerprints are pretty high. Um, so you want to be... Yeah, but, uh, lots, uh, Tim, Tim one, one great example. One great example. Uh, I do love sailing. So, for example, if I'm going to sail somewhere in uh, Pacific 
and I got overboard uh, with my key and cell phone. What's happened after? I mean, uh, so, so, I, I'm completely locked out, out of everything, right? I mean, well, well, actually, no. Uh, what you do is, and this is this is YubiKey's advice, is that you have a set of um, there's a set of printed backup keys that you keep somewhere safe, and you can use those codes to recover your account and move it onto a different YubiKey. So, I mean, there are mecha- it's an inconvenience for sure. It would take you. I mean, you, the bottom line is you have to get back to the safe place you kept your your codes. So in that travel, you may be you may be to some extent locked out. But it depends on what it is you're trying to protect. I mean, if you're using GitHub to to host your million or host or the code for your million dollar startup then, then yeah probably uh relying on 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 a you know password is password is probably not sufficient and 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 so you know there's a there's a question of working out what is relevant and useful for your use case and that's why i said when i said about second factor is if you're trying to protect something valuable then you need to think about about using one of these things and it just depends on how valuable and whether it's worth your effort and, and i totally Take actually, actually, I totally agree with uh, James uh, that uh, face, uh, for example, and voice, uh, 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 it's uh, unmistakable over here. And, uh, for example, uh, people can actually uh, introduce uh, uh, random uh, text generator with uh, some uh, uh, complicated words. Uh, what do you have to read uh, from the screen? And the uh, system will determine the uh, pattern of your speech and if it's artificial or not artificial. And uh, will ask you to do certain mimics uh, with your face. And based on the dynamics, uh, it can actually determine uh, is it you or not you. Uh, Correct. If- and there are other things you can do, like uh, like shining a pattern of lights on the face to determine the, the, the skin tone, to make sure that it is a real face and not and a... it's not that and it's not that <laughs> yeah and it's not a box. I met somebody who did a does a fingerprint uh, has a fingerprint reader that's not optical; it's ultrasonic. And I was asking him about what the benefits were, and he said, "Well, there's two. One of which is that instead of being at seeing the fingerprint, we're actually with the ultrasonics, we're actually seeing the vein pattern under the skin." And he said, "What's more, I can tell if you've still got a pulse." So, uh, so uh, that was an interesting that is, model. That is, uh, everywhere that, that is all of the Google Nexus devices, uh, pretty much uh, exactly with this uh, technology. Uh, what they use. So they use ultrasonic uh, uh, fingerprint scanner. There's no optical over there. Right. Yeah. Yep. And, and in fact, the uh, there are a couple of webcams now. The, the Logitech Brio that I've got has um, a UV uh, imager in it, and it, it reads the heat map of your face to will log you into a Windows box, which I've been using. It's kind of spooky because you uh, you reboot the system and it, it it wakes up and it looks for you and it's constantly looking at the room. And then when, <laughs> when you walk and you, you sit down in front of the webcam, it, it, it reads your face. And because it's doing a thermal image, you can't just use a picture. You actually have to be a live person in front of you. Does that mean uh, if, if you've got that- a... You've got sunburnt or you've been drinking, then uh, um, <laughs> it, it won't lug you in because you've got a different... Or you're just embarrassed. No, it has each each dot uh, on your face is uh, three-dimensional. So when uh, uh, optics, uh, optical view as well as uh, infrared view, uh, delta of the uh, wave length, uh, uh, exactly uh, distance uh, to your dot. So when they actually have uh, two cameras uh, together, they determine 
understand each pixel uh, distance. Uh, so they have a really precise information about your face and mimics of your face. Now, to be, to be like fair, though, um, the uh, resolution of the visual image is quite good, but the resolution of the IR sensor is very coarse. So you end up with um, you end up with like XY data that's pretty good and Z data that's eh. but still it, it, it's uh, it's usable. Uh, I, would I trust it with my bank accounts? Hell no, but <laughs> but it's usable for yeah. Well, that 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 actually subject immediately uh, recall. Uh, did you guys uh, saw from Amazon new camera, which judging you how you dress? Uh, any any comments on it? Anybody want to put this uh, in the house? Because uh, I I really don't want to. There is a lot of conjecture about, <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, you about motivations for that. Huh? Are you saying this camera recognizes how you dress and identifies you? Yeah. Um, if it, you, it, uh, you 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 actually showing up over there, and uh, you can actually change uh, different dress, and it will say, okay, uh, we can uh, uh, this one is good, this one is not, uh, and if you want, we can order this one uh, from Amazon. Sometimes like that i mean uh, basically yes it, it and this is it uh, looks a lot like an arlo but it's not. It's a little taller than an Arlo. And the, the idea is that, that women would put it sort of in their closet or something and would, would use it as an independent opinion when they're getting dressed. Now <laughs> imagine uh, all of the all of the women going to dress in front of these cameras and it's all everything fitted to uh, Amazon. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> like, Alexa, how do I look? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. does, does this skirt make my bottom I mean, look big? Uh, well, what the yeah. hell they're thinking? I mean, uh, who is going to test this device? I mean, how are they going to verify transmission if it's proper or not proper? <laughs> I, I mean, do not, uh, I, do not, I do not know. I do not know. Hey, um, I have some news. It's back on the telecom front. Um, there's a Facebook prof a Facebook group that are the 2600 uh, basically self-styled hackers, and they uh, put up just about a half an hour. Ago, that this device, which they have been... Sorry, you can't see it, Vlad. Uh, you can actually paste the link uh, in a... It's a, it's a manual switchboard. Yeah, this this thing. Oh, I can't see that either. Uh, th this manual switchboard, ancient manual switchboard, they have been refurbishing and bringing back to life. There you go, Vlad. You, you, well, oh, you can't see it now either. Um, hang on. So just there. paste the link. Uh, I'll pick up. Okay, let me get it uh, over here into the... Or that be the messages. Yeah, in the messages. Hang on one second. <laughs> because I've got, I'll actually drag the picture over there because I downloaded a local copy. But I got to put away some of these zillion windows that I've got there. So you should be able to see that. Uh, so this thing actually woke up and just made its first live phone call in the, the last half hour, 45 minutes, something like that. Nice. Is there a number to get into it? Can we dial into it? I don't know. They haven't said so, but it's a 2600 group on, on uh, Facebook. And yeah, can, we, can we send it SMSs? <laughs> <laughs> And it must be on XS7 because it's got to be, because it's got to be hooked up to a POTS line, right? So SS7 is the backbone of I have at home several candlestick phones uh, with uh, crank dialers. Rotary. I think it's one, one, one uh, yeah, no, no, it's a crank dialer. Uh, it's not rotary dialer. Oh. Uh, rotary dialer, when you, when you actually, uh, you, you crank and uh, it's a generating uh, where 110 volts coming from on a ring dial, exactly from the crank dialer. So when it was uh, crank dialed, uh, it was generated pulse and creating a ring uh, at the operator. And the operator was responding based on uh, request. So uh, the, uh, this is interesting. 
uh, info about uh, telephony architecture uh, uh, before uh, pre predating uh, outpost dialing uh, because uh, ring uh, if if you know uh, ring it's about 110 volts uh, approximately on a on a transmission and uh, when you actually talk it's I think it's about uh, 12 volts or something like that but when you actually uh, cranking uh, it's a it's a huge spikes well you had to uh, coming you had out. To you had to have something that would create a spark that would wake the old girl up, right? <laughs> <laughs> right in the ear. <laughs> hey, that was the bleeding edge of the IP communications and VoIP community. We're at VUC.me on the web. Thanks to Simwood.com, who can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our host at PBX is provided by OnSIP.com. The site at VUC.me is on Bluehost.com. We use ZipDX.com for our wideband, full-featured conference bridge. And our local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Every Friday, 12 noon Eastern Time, see you next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.